This is Greg Lazinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Sit back, relax, grab yourself a cold one. You're about to hear episode number 31 of Baseball and BBQ, where the BBQ stands for barbecue. It's time for Len Aberman and Jeff Cohen. Welcome to Baseball and BBQ. Hey, and welcome to the 2019 baseball season. Yay! Take me out to the ball game. All right, that, that's, that, that's quite enough. All right, guys, if you loved or even liked episode number 30, get ready. Because if you remember, we went on a road trip. We went on a road trip to Atlantic City, New Jersey, to the Barbecue Expo. And we didn't finish, we didn't finish playing all the interviews. No, we have a couple to go. Right? We, have, we, have, we actually have three more. Right. We have uh, Heavy Hot Stuff. We got Sweet Heat. Sweet Heat. And we got Gaucho Grill. Yeah, that's... And, and all of these have websites, so you'll be able to look at everything that we're talking about. And then... Then I was on. I was on uh, special assignment. Yeah, spe- special assignment, and Jeff did an interview. Uh, that's right. I did an interview, uh, and Gary Mack uh, sat in for you while you were on assignment, and we talked about this website called This Great Game, and talked to the webmaster Eric Goldsberry, and it was a really interesting interview. So I'm looking forward to hearing it because I haven't heard it yet, and uh, I want to see. If uh, I have something to fear, is Gary Mack going to be replacing me? I, I, I certainly hope not. No, Gary Mack is bu- too busy with his own shows, <laughs> Mets musings, and talking golf with Gary. And by the way, if you haven't heard Gary Mack's shows, if you're a Mets fan, he had recently an, uh, had on Art Chamsky and Ron Darling. Wow. Yeah. So that is that is quite the interviews. Right. So if you're a Mets fan, go listen to uh, Mets Musings because it was uh, terrific interviews. Anyway, having said that, let's get back to uh, baseball and BBQ. All right, so it is the beginning of the baseball season, but before we get into Jeff's interview uh, uh, regarding the the website, sit back because it's also the beginning of barbecue season. For me, as you know, barbecue season is a year-long thing, but for a lot of our listeners, it starts now when the weather gets nicer because you're you're sane, not like me. Right. But uh, it's now time. So we went to this expo, as you know, and the first interview you're going to hear is with Heavy's Hot Stuff, and we interviewed Michael Canfeld, and he is the owner and spice master. One of the things that he told us in the interview was that he grows his peppers hydroponically, and he's pretty proud of how spicy they are. And believe me, they are pretty spicy. So, and with that, let's get do to it. it. Let's get to the interview. 
So we are here with Michael Canfield of Heavy's Hot Stuff at the Barbecue Expo in New Jersey as we continue our road trip. Michael, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure meeting you. Tell us about your company. I see a lot of hot things. and uh... Yeah, we like it spicy. We definitely like it spicy. So, you know, years ago, I, I was trained as a chef, and I spent a couple decades in that business. And I, I, I got out due to an injury, and that's a whole other story. But I started doing hydroponic gardening, and I found a new passion. And then a couple years ago, a friend of mine named Jim introduced me to the super hot category of peppers, and I love spicy. So I got a chance to marry two of my passions into a new one, and Heavy's Hot Stuff was born. So we were growing Carolina Reapers and ghost peppers and scorpion peppers, and I took my knowledge in the restaurant field and applied it to that, and that's how we came up with our product line. It's, it's, it's been a challenge, but it's fun. It, it is fun, and our stuff is hot. I tell people, you know, our, our mild is extra, extra, extra hot. So, so you go from there. We have to warn people, like, and especially here, you know, we have people looking at us like we're crazy. We're like, it's hot, so you have to be prepared for that. Well, my son is uh, loves hot sauce, and like we bought him this hot sauce that's like comes in a little coffin-shaped container or whatever. But the hotter, the better. He's with us today, and I will bring him over here because awesome. he will he will love this. Awesome, yeah. Now you so and and my wife would be into the the hydroponic growing. So yeah. tell we, it. We grow. We only make what we grow. So what we grow, and I know a lot of large companies do that too, so that's not a new novel idea, but it's important to me because from seed to bottle, we have control of the product. We only, we know exactly the nutrients we're using. We use all natural nutrients. We don't use pesticides. Um, And growing hydroponically gets you up out of the dirt, which is good for my back. (laughs) Okay, so we know exactly what's going on. I don't have to worry about you know, who's doing what out in the field or animals or whatever. So it's all very controlled. Um, So even when we harvest, we know that we're sanitizing our peppers and bringing them in right. Um, We rent a commercial kitchen, and we bring all our product there. We do everything. And and literally, I'm involved in in from start to finish with this. And it's it it really is kind of like my new baby. Where are you based out of and uh, any... uh Website information you have? Sure. We started in Hamilton, New Jersey. Right now we're in Douglasville, Pennsylvania. Um, our website is heavyshotstuff.com. And we're on Instagram and Facebook as Heavy's Hot Stuff. Okay. So this is not for the faint of heart. No. That is for sure. No, it is not, sir. Okay. Which is which is great. Hot stuff. This- I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. You have uh, rubs here as well, not just yeah. sauces. So yeah. tell us about how you got into that. So... Um, friends of ours, actually next door at Yobuck, they, they pres, uh, provide deer minerals and attractants for hunting for hunters. Um, they were working on a rub recipe with me, and we kind of combined forces and, you know, kind of streamlined the process. And and we just, we love deer, and we love, well, we love it. We love, we love to eat everything. I'm right. sorry. That's okay. Um, so we combined our combined knowledge and came up with this line. And there's a lot of sugar in it because you want it to caramelize. You want to create a bark on your pork or whatever you're smoking. Right. So there's a lot of sugar in there. So And we added the hot pepper to it. And it's great. I put it on pizza. Uh, my wife puts it on salads. I mean, we put it on everything. It, it just, it's more than just for the smoker. So going forward into, the, into this year, when this crop is ready this year, we're actually going to produce a line of grill seasonings specifically for the grill without the sugar because I know sugar is a big buzzword right now right. and everybody's diet sugar is a big thing well in the smoker 
when you're smoking meat, you need sugar or you don't get caramelization. So, but with the grill, we can take the sugar out. So we're going to do specific poultry, meat, lamb, fish recipes. So you have that to look forward to for 2019. Excellent. So every every sauce that's here, each one has its own like special thing that it's good for, right? I mean, or they're all good. They're they're all versatile. What we do is. We suggest that you add a little bit of our sauce to whatever you want to enhance flavor and heat to. You don't want to... There are people, I, and I say there's like two out of, two people out of every thousand you meet, they can drink hot sauce and never be affected. Right. Maybe like your son. <laughs> and for him, he could pour that right on his hot wings and enjoy right. it. But for normal people, right. quote unquote normal, you would take maybe a half a teaspoon of my sauce and add it to other, other sauces. Um, like we make a hot pepper oil that I put in marinara sauce. You know, I don't cook with it in the beginning because you don't want to, that bouquet would really knock you out. So I put it in the end, um, or for dipping uh, bread at the table. I add regular olive oil, you know, with my olive oil to, to create some heat. And that's where the flavor comes from. Now, the pineapple hot sauce is, I say that's my mild because it's mostly ghost pepper and scorpion pepper with Reaper in there, where the other sauces are just Reaper based. So the Reaper is, is big. We had we had somebody on who was talking about the peppers and and the uh, uh, how they're rated like the you know how hot they are the right Scoville scale yeah yeah so the ones you just mentioned are pretty high they're in the top ten they're three they're they're in they're three of the top ten so the Reaper is considered the world record holder currently and then uh, Scorpion would be at number seven and a Ghost would be at number five respectively perfect thank you. Michael, thank you very much. Thank you for we your time. Thanks it. for stopping by. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. Hopefully our listeners will go online and buy your product. That'd be great. Thank you. We appreciate it. Len, his sauce is hot. Yeah. He, he wasn't kidding when he said hot stuff. Yeah. Reaper, Scorpion. That, that's hot stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's that just the name alone will kill you. Right. But get, let's give his contact information. Michael Canfield, great interview, great company. Guys, if you like hot, and, and I know there's a lot of you out there that just the hotter the better. You can't get enough of the heat. His product is fantastic. Right. Go to heavyshotstuff.com. Have, one word, heavyshotstuff.com. And you can also follow him on social media at, at heavies underscore hot underscore stuff. And please tell him you heard about him on baseball and, and BBQ. BBQ. Next, we're going to have Eduardo Pence of Gaucho Grills. And as you'll hear in the interview, these are very different. So, Jeff, give the website if they want to look along, uh, look as we're doing the interview. Right. It's Gaucho Grills, G-A-U-C-H-O-Grills.com. And this is really live fire cooking. You are cooking right over the flames. And uh, these are really nice. They're nicely made. Uh, very well constructed and I think that if you are really into live fire cooking this is something that you're really going to love well let, 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 them, let them hear the interview okay go ahead okay thanks <laughs> we are here at the barbecue expo with Eduardo Perez uh, I, I'm sorry Eduardo Pence I apologize and uh, the, the name of his company is Gaucho Gaucho Grills and I was commenting on Gaucho Grills, and you got to look it up. It's gauchogrills.com. It's Gaucho 
Grills. Got, right. Gotcho-grills.com. Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited from looking at these grills. They are different than most of you have seen. It's a different type of grill. So can you tell us about the grill and, and how it's used and, you know, the, what's best to cook on it and everything? Sure. Okay. Uh, we start with this. We can start with this one over here. This is the firebox where you put your charcoal or wood in here. As the wood burns down, it falls down, and then you sweep it over here. This is where you do the grilling. You can adjust the temperature by moving this up and down. Wow. Okay? Yeah, that is live fire cooking. These are V-shaped and sloped, so the juices run into here, and you don't get any flare-ups. And then this comes out for easy cleaning. And um, we have different models. This is the largest one. We also make custom grills. <laughs> a lot of them go inside outdoor kitchens. If somebody has a countertop, or people put them inside outdoor fireplaces. Then, if you have a fireplace, this wheel will be on the outside of the fireplace. Those two models there, they're standalone grills. They're on wheels, and you can move them wherever you want. So that's basically the gist of it. So they're all angled so that the, the guys, the fat, they're like, it's a grate, but they're grooves in the grate. So the fat goes in the groove, runs down into the uh, into this little, uh, like a pan, right. right? It's a tray. Yeah. Tray. And then you empty it. Right. Now what's and the best thing to cook? You can cook everything on here. You can cook everything. There also is an attachment. You can, we can attach a rotary, a rotisserie kit, and then you can do anything you want. Piglets, turkeys, you well, name it. It's fairly unique. It's much different than anything out of the market. It is. It's totally different, and a lot of people are moving away, are moving from gas to charcoal, and now they're moving from charcoal to wood. Yeah, now, okay, um, what, do you, what, kind, what are you putting in this box here? Charcoal or wood? Or a combination of both. Okay. You can mix you can use either one. You can use either one or both at the same time. Wow. It's beautiful. And this is steel? Well, everything is stainless steel. 303 stainless steel. And uh, those are lined with fire bricks, which uh, retains the heat and it becomes very efficient. You don't burn a lot of, a lot of wood or charcoal. What's the best way to clean them? While they're hot. You spray them with a mix of oil, uh, water, and vinegar, and you just wipe them down with a damp cloth, and that's it, they come out pretty clean. So um, now under, so you have the you have the firebox, right? And then, so and then what? How do, what's underneath it? Is there something to? Where's like the charcoals would be over here, underneath. The embers would be right here on top of the fire brick. Okay, okay. Wow. And then you just control, and then you, you raise it, it right, you move it, or you, right. So lower you sear it, and then higher it's uh, low. Lower low temperature, up. right. Right. Okay. And uh, the, the um, rope goes around this, um, which has grooves, so the rope doesn't go on top of each other. It's beautifully made. It's really nicely made. This is a train, so if you take some food off over here, you can put it into this tray. It's really unique. Really, go check out Gaucho Grills. That's gaucho 
GAUCHO-GRILLS.COM. G-A-U-C-H-O-GRILLS.COM. Yeah, they're they're unique-looking grills. Yeah, they're they're beautifully made. And um, what's the what's the smallest one you have, and what's the largest this one? Is the smallest one. This and that one are the medium ones. And the first one we looked at, that's the large one. But we also make custom grills. Some people already have an existing fireplace, and they want to make it fit, so we make it custom to fit. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, could you put this over, um, if you had, like, a, a kettle grill? Yes. It, you could also... These legs here, they come in different lengths, so you can put it outside uh, around a fire pit. Nice. Well, thank you for your time. It's very you. interesting. Thank it's you very looking grills. Yeah, hopefully our listeners look look them up, and it's a really unique grill. We always like to talk about grills that are uh, a little different. You will really enjoy a grill like this. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you so much. So now, Len, we're in for a treat. Not that we weren't in for a treat before, but we're in for a treat. No, we, this is a treat. For, for, for baseball fans out there, this is a treat. There's a website called This Great Game, which I discovered, and I absolutely love it. It's a great, great website. A lot of opinions, a lot of history, lists. So uh, it, we have, I'm talking to Eric Goolsbury, who is one of the webmasters, along with his, uh, his cohort, Ed Astinazzo. But uh, Eric was good enough to come on. Uh, Gary was taking your place as you were on special assignment. Yes. You were undercover. I don't know what you were doing. No, I but, can't tell you. But uh, you were undercover. It's a secret. But uh, I, take a listen to this. This is a great, great interview. So enjoy, everybody. So uh, this is Jeff Cohen, and on assignment is uh, Len Aberman. So sitting in for Len is Gary McDonald. How are you, Jeff? And uh, it's my pleasure to be here pinch hitting for... Uh for Len and uh, great guest today. Yes, we have Eric Eric Goldsberry. Uh, this great game, the online book of baseball, along with his partner Ed Atanasio. Did I say, say that right? You got it right. All right. So Eric, thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you. My first question to you is: I, I, I love this website. I mean, there's a couple of websites I really look at when it comes to baseball. It's Baseball Reference, Baseball Almanac. And this great game, and I came upon it a couple months ago, and I've been fascinated. So, why don't you tell us how you got started with this website? Uh, it's had quite an evolution, actually. It started way back in 1992 as a uh, an idea I had for a uh, a date uh, a calendar a date calendar uh, book uh, for my graphic design firm. That's what I do in my spare time. I run Eric Goldsberry Art Direction, or as I affectionately refer to it, often EGAD, <laughs> and. What I did was, uh, I, you know, I did my usual Christmas card thing every year, sent out to people. And I said, let's, I really got into baseball by then. And, you know, I've always been a long baseball fan since I've been a kid, a uh, long-time baseball fan. And I thought I wanted to do some of the baseball theme. And I knew a lot of my clients and all my family friends were into it as well, and they'd probably love it. So I just wanted to do something where it would be like a weekly calendar thing, which would kind of double as a little, you know, uh, baseball history at a glance kind of uh, concept. Uh, ultimately, it turned out that it was just going to be too expensive for me to pay everything on my own to do some, such a thing with the printing and everything. So I decided not to do it, but it, the idea kind of stayed with me. I said, you know, I still would like to do something. Maybe I can do something with a publisher, get it out or something. And one thing led to another, and I thought of this, and then I did this, and you know, well, what about doing that? And the next thing I knew, I had this big 450-page monster-in-a-box coffee table book 
Major League Baseball, the 20th century, which was going to basically be a year-by-year review of Major League Baseball from 1900 through 1999 that was going to release at the end of 
you know, a vested historian writer. He should know this, you know, or he, you know, he's got the, the, the ability to, to speak his mind on that. But the fact that now he's, he realizes he's the only guy out there and it didn't vote for him and everybody else is coming after him, you know, he had to weigh that. You know, the reaction, it's, it's just this, this, you know, what do you want to call this pitchfork mentality from everybody else? You know, you, you got to think like we do. It's, it's just, that's troublesome. Yes, and I was actually at a Sabre event where uh, Jeff Idelson, the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, was there, and he actually admitted that uh, the social media had things to do with, you know, being bullied into voting a certain way. Because, you know, even though the vote's a secret, they have a way of getting out there, and, and definitely they, they would be ashamed into uh, not voting with the, uh, I guess, with everybody else. And, and I think it's... Yeah, Go ahead. Uh, I think it's thought... Uh, a bad precedent now because you know mm-hmm. uh, he's the first one that's a hundred percent and and you know kids don't realize what went before and a lot of kids don't study history and now he's got the the hundred percent so he's going to be considered the greatest of all time and when you consider that uh, see I just felt if if Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Lou Gehrig, uh, Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, Tom Seaver, uh, the list goes on. Bob Gibson didn't get a hundred percent then nobody deserves to get 100%. Right, and, you know, you kind of saw this coming with Ken Griffey Jr. a number of years ago when he was voted in, and there were, what, uh, three or four or five dissenters right. who said, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't vote for him. And you never know what the reasons are. You know, so it, it could be legitimate reasons. It could be childish reasons. You know, that was the case with Ted Williams. You know, there were a lot of Boston writers who hated him and didn't want to ever honor him with anything. Because of the way they, right. you know, he treated the reporters, and maybe vice versa. But you know, the the troubling thing about Griffey, and you saw again, this is where I get to the part about you saw this coming, was that when it was announced that he was in, and there were those three or five people who said, "Well, I, you know, or did say they, nobody said it. They they didn't reveal themselves, and everybody in social media basically got out and said, "Let's go find these people. Let's find out who they are." I don't know if they ever ended up doing that, but that just troubled me too. And I just think, boy, this is going to really pressure a lot of people to vote more for how they feel. Other people will will agree with them on versus how they really feel. Well, now isn't the vote? The, aren't they? Uh, aren't they making it public now? Who voted for what? You don't have or to make them public? Oh, you don't you, have you to. You can if you want to. Okay. Right. You can reveal on your own, but for uh, for the Hall of Fame, no, they the, the Hall will not reveal by themselves. Will not reveal who voted for who. They do that with the uh, with the uh, with the awards every year, which is separate from the Hall of Fame. The, the MVP and mm-hmm. Rookie of the Year. That's that's led by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Uh, Eric, one of the other features I love on your website is your lists. You have a bunch of lists that you put out, and. The one I really took particular notice was the 10 people who should not be in a Baseball Hall of Fame. And the reason <laughs> I mention this, because on Baseball and BBQ, we have a feature called Little Known Hall of Famers. So I looked at your list, and one of the names was Bobby Wallace. And I said, okay, we're going to do a feature on Bobby Wallace. I never heard of him. Didn't know he was in the Hall of Fame. And because of your list, uh, I went to the, actually was at, happened to be at the Hall of Fame, and I, I looked him up. And so we did a feature on him. But this, this, this whole list of 10 people who should not be in the Hall of Fame is more of your opinion. I mean, that's what makes baseball great. You can have a debate, and uh, 
you know, I agree with you. I agree with this one. I agree. I don't agree with you. I I believe you have Bert Blylevin on a list. Well, I think you should be in the Hall of Fame, but you have him on your list. A couple others I have not heard of. Uh, but you have Bill Mazurowski on here, which we know he's in, only in there for one home run. Right. Uh, so and that, that list, to get by the way, list? is going to be uh, it's always subject to change. You know, that's the beauty of the website versus the book. Um, and you know, and I actually actually have to update it now that. Uh, Harold Baines, who's been uh, nominated in, he's got to make that list. Uh, I just got to figure out where to slot him. So someone comes off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a great list, and it does spark for debate. Now, you have Bill Mazurowski on here, who was a terrific defender, and only really Ozzie Smith and Brooks Robinson, and I guess Mazurowski are in for their defense, and I believe uh, Omar Vizquel should be in there also. He's just, I think, the equal of Ozzie Smith without the nickname. Uh, but so right. tell me, how do you do your research to come up with this ten, top ten list here? Well, part of it is just knowing. You know, I've been reading and focusing on baseball history now for over twenty-five years, and a lot of it's ingrained in your head. At least for me, it's ingrained in my head now. So it's not like whenever I do a list like this, I have to. It's it's not like I have to start from scratch on a lot of this stuff. You know, I have a lot of this knowledge already packed it in a small hard drive in my head. Uh, but, uh, but no, there is research I have to do. I mean, because one thing you got to make sure, you know, you, so I run a website, but in a sense, I'm a journalist too when I do this because I want to make sure I get my information right and I want to make sure that I do my, my due diligence and make sure I get, because I don't want to just say, well, here's 10 I just off the top of my head. I don't think it should be a Hall of Fame. Then I got people coming and say, oh, what about that guy or what about this guy? And then I say, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. I don't want to get to that point. I want to make sure I have everything covered. Uh, so there is research that's done on these lists, even though, you know, so it is already kind of there in my head. Like, and, and this is an interesting list to, to answer this question to because, you know, you're talking about players a lot of people never heard of before. I'd rarely heard of Bobby Wallace myself. I'm mean, obviously I heard of him, but I never thought of him as this Hall of Fame type player. And they come across him and think, wow, he's in the Hall of Fame. And I'm looking at his numbers, I'm reading stuff about him, and I'm thinking, why is this guy in the Hall of Fame? And then what clinched it for me on this, and why I felt pretty confident putting it in number two, there was a book I had, a really good book, uh, put out by the Hall of Fame itself from about 20 years ago. Good coffee table book. They talk about Bobby Wallace in that book, and they themselves, in this book, the Hall of Fame itself says... <laughs> We're not really sure why he's in it. <laughs> Cooper's down. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's what they're saying, you know, quasi-officially. Then, you know, I feel okay putting him on this list now. And, yeah, so he's up there at number two. Right. And number right one, up right behind Frankie Frisch's friends, exactly. which is definitely number one. Right, yeah. Some of these guys you, you never heard of, Frankie Lindstrom, Chuck Hefney. Uh, well, Freddie Lindstrom, was it Freddie Lindstrom? Well, you you. You've heard of them. It's just that, why are they in the Hall of Fame? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, they're, they're good players. See, I, if I had a Hall of Fame vote, my threshold would be, I want the greats in the Hall of Fame. I want the very good. You know, a lot of these people on this list are very good or not even very good. Probably lost. But, you know, and maybe you and I will argue about Blylevin, but I, to me, I, if, yeah, if you have to think of whether a guy's in the Hall of Fame, then he should not be in the Hall of Fame. I, I agree with that. What about now the, the whole Veterans Committee thing and, and these committees that they formed? I mean, uh, 
Jeff and I are of the belief that Gil Hodges ought to be in the Hall of Fame, and and it doesn't look like that's going to be able to happen at this point unless he can get a a godfather, if you will, on one of these committees. Um, you know, it's said that it's it's, it's he should have played for Tony Larusa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, and that's just what I was going to bring up. Uh, it seems like it's gotten awful political and chummy chummy, and if you yeah. know somebody. Um, that's on the committee that they can kind of push you through, um, such as the case with Harold Baines, or, or at least a lot of people deny right. it, uh, you know, say that's not the case. But I think it's kind of obvious that that was the case. How how do we combat that in years going down the road? I mean, uh, or are we just going to have to settle for getting some of these mediocre players or very good players, if you will, into the Hall of Fame? That's a very tough question. I mean, in a perfect world, you just have the general vote by the by the writers, and that's it. And there shouldn't be a veterans committee. I mean, obviously, the veterans committee is kind of like second chance territory uh, for people who maybe that were misunderstood by the writers. And you know, the, the the veterans committee is made of a block of non writers, or made of former players, executives, and so forth. People within the game, as people who are covering the game. So I understand the balance in that. It's just the uh, the science of the Veterans Committee is pretty poor, and that's where you get uh, it, it does lead to cronyism and political activity and so forth. And it's uh, you just gotta you gotta it, it's not perfect, it's not ideal, and you would hope that the, you know, somebody like Tony LaRusso doesn't go arm twisting all these other people on the committee. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he did that, but it's, if you kind of read some of the accounts, it does sound like maybe he was really trying to do a lot of convincing in that room when, uh, he was lobbying for Harold Bain. So of course it also helped that Jerry Reinstorf was on that committee and he was, of course, the owner of the White Sox who Harold sure. Baines played almost the entirety of his career with. So there's that too. Uh, so there's probably a lot of lobbying going on yeah. beside LaRusso as well. I I mean I I don't have a problem per se with the veterans committee. I I think I think what they need to do though is put more of a uh, restrictions on it. I, I think if a guy doesn't get you know more than say sixty uh, percent or something when when he's eligible, I don't think he should be reconsidered on the veterans committee. I mean. I I don't know. I'm just th- I'm just throwing that out there <laughs> at this point, but. I no, I I think a, I think a uh, a minimum from the general would be uh, general vote would be a good idea. I think you hit on something there. I mean, Harold Baines didn't even get what five six percent of the vote. Uh, yeah, the general he vote after the second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, now he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's 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 really ridiculous. <laughs> Eric, another one of your yeah. lists, which I found fascinating, is the ten worst owners in baseball history. <laughs> and what I mean by that, one of them is not on the list. <laughs> Why aren't the Wilpons on this list? <laughs> you have Jeffrey Lurie on you, and we're Met fans, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes. And I, I feel for you. Um, I'm, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm in the middle of doing my uh, my season preview for 2019, uh, which I have a lot of fun, you know, and, and I, obviously I'm very serious about who I think will win, but have a little fun. And I. And, and writing about my, about the Mets' chances this year, I said, you know, they've made all these moves and everything, but I don't trust them. They, they'll find a way to screw <laughs> right. this up because uh, they've always they've always screwed me up. You know how many times I've said they're going to do very well, they're going to win a pennant, all this, 
and then they make me look like fools at the end of the year. So I, I almost feel like I've become like a Mets fan by kinship with you folks. So <laughs> I just, you know, way out here in the West Coast where, you know, I'm still celebrating three Giants World titles. But um, uh, why are the well pumps on there? Well, there have been a lot of bad owners over the years uh, in baseball, and so that's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, uh, competitive list to try and hit. You know, Jeffrey Laurie obviously made that list uh, because just the, all the shenanigans he's got away with. And sure. Thank goodness he's out of the game now. Right. But uh, but the Welcomes, obviously, you know, if it, there was a top 20, maybe I'd put them in that, but I'd have to take another look at that. Again, you know, the beauty of this site is, you know, I can always kind of update things, and uh, uh, yes. it, it does need to be updated sometimes, and somebody even worse than Jeffrey Loria, God forbid, comes along. So knock somebody else off the list. <laughs> it's it's interesting that on your list you have two Philadelphia Phillies owners, and they were right after one another. Right. <laughs> right, because they were – this was a horrible time, the middle of World War II, and uh, right. one owner was uh, was ex- basically uh, just couldn't run the team, and then the next one came in, and he basically tried to run the team uh, almost too much, and then they found out he was – Doing a lot of betting at the track, which, you know, and Judge Kenneth on Mountain Landis's eyes was you know, a big no-no. <laughs> the commissioner of the time, of course, that was also the time that Bill Vec came along and claimed he tried to uh, buy the Phillies and, and you know, quote unquote, stock the team with uh, Negro leaguers, which would have been a heck of an idea. And, and during, you know, especially during the war, when any kind of talent would have been greatly needed in baseball, but it would have been. Uh, and of course, that story was never quite. Uh, verified by others, so we don't know if Bill Beck was kind of stretching the truth there. Right. We're talking with Eric Goldsberry of This Great Game, a great <laughs> website. Eric, uh, one of the links that I've clicked on, the opinion section, and you have a uh, an article here that you wrote about uh, about a year ago, I guess, May 8, 2018, right. the 10 things I hate about baseball. <laughs> and, you know, Gary and I really, we, we look at this list and, and – this is an incredible list. We we agree with almost everything. <laughs> the baby bumpering of pitchers. You're right. Uh, it says you know pitchers used to throw 250 innings, 300 innings. Now they if they do 200, that's a lot. I mean that yeah, that's cause for alarm now. Yeah, it does. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean you also have in this uh, the in-game interview interviews, which I, I really don't mind that much, but it doesn't add to the broadcast. I don't I mind him. that per se. Uh, <laughs> that that doesn't bother me. I think uh, I have to say that one thing I really liked about the All Star Game this year was the the guys being mic'd and out on the field. I just thought that was like the coolest thing because it really I, I felt like I was really an insider. You know, I was well, me and the other millions of people watching. But I just I thought that was fascinating, and I thought for something like the All Star Game, which needs something. I, I think that was a good thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with you on that. I, I, I do think that, that that is a good thing. Uh, you know, cause first of all, it's an exhibition game, so who cares? You know, it's not like they're, you're, you're bothering somebody trying to, you know, make their pay and go to the World Series. Uh, and but to do it with the nobody wants to hear from a manager. They can care. They're just going to talk poor strategy, boring strategies, and and so forth. And right. You know, ninety five percent of the audience really. Gives a damn about that, but if you, if you you get you know yeah if you get the center fielder Mike or you know you want Manny Machado to talk to a shortstop that that's gonna that looks pretty cool to a lot of people and they would pay attention to what they got to say. 
Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, they had Bryce Harper. I think it was this year. Uh, was right. One of the guys, and and he actually was very entertaining and showed a very different side of himself than what we we've heard. Especially as Met fans, we hate the guy. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, he You're really like showed himself. Yeah, right. Well, we used to hating him. Being we in still, it's the so, same yeah. hatred. Yeah. We're just moving it from, t- from one team to the <laughs> other. A little bit closer now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, a fascinating thing to see him in a different light, as 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 um, God forbid, I say this, but almost as a human being, you know, instead of just a ball player. Um, and I like that. Um, uh, you, you've written about Rob Manfred. And, right. and some of uh, his uh, picadillos, if you wish. I'm a little older than Jeff, so I, I've got older terms, probably. What the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> you know, he got off to a pretty good start because he was kind of towing the Bud Selig line in terms of uh, kind of maintaining the integrity of the game. But, you know, I, he's slowly going off the rails with some of these ideas and kind of pushing them. And, and, and granted, he's not just saying we're just going to do this and you're going to like it. You know, some of the more crazy stuff, you know, he's certainly not doing that. He's kind of testing the laws to see how the public reacts. All this just to shorten the game by 10 minutes or whatever, you know, it's just, is it really worth it? <laughs> and, you know, at, at the risk of, of chasing a lot of long time or, or, you know, really current fans who really love the game as it is, turning it in instead to something that, Something to satisfy the, uh, the video game crowd. I, I don't know. It, it just it, it bothers me, you know. And of course, I'm with you, Gary or Jeff. I, you know, I'm not exactly the youngest guy around anymore either. But yeah, it, we really do know our right from wrong when it comes to baseball and a lot of stuff that uh, Manfred's been doing or trying to push has really been wrong. I, you know, this whole I hope this Atlantic League experiment that he's done, where he's they basically baseball has partnered with this independent minor league circuit to uh, be basically the test lab for a lot of these rules. You know, the uh, the banning of the shift, the moving the mound back a couple feet. That's crazy. They're actually yeah. doing that, which I think is a disastrous thing. I hope they never even consider that for major league baseball. I just hope this thing just falls apart and Manfred just says, you know what, let's just go back to the way things are and just let people love the game. Right. And, and you know, with Manfred... The cardinal rule in baseball not to break is, is gambling, obviously. And now he's in bed with, with, right. with, the, with the casinos. You can't, now, now the managers have to report the lineups to him, or to the commission's office, before anybody else because it's got to be released to the casinos. What do you think about that? Well, I kind of understand what he's doing there. I, the, I'm a little uncomfortable with the whole the nexus with the gambling interest now with MGM in Vegas and so forth. But I think it, it just seems like the momentum, the trend right now is that sports books are not just restricted to Atlantic City and Vegas anymore. It's, it's everywhere. And, you, and I, think, I think it's just become a fact of life that, you know, we're just going to become this next generation or two is going to become more exposed to the, the perils of gambling, unfortunately. But the thing that kind of concerns me directly with this, as far as baseball is concerned, and I pointed this out and I, and I, and I I didn't get a lot of online traction response from it, which maybe was a suggestion that uh, nobody really, maybe I was thinking too hard on this one, but <laughs> if you got a manager who's going to submit a lineup and then at the last second claims, well, I got a couple guys who are just not 
feeling very good. I'm going to put these scrubs in instead. And, you know, it's too late to send a new uh, uh, a lineup into baseball and so forth. You know, a manager could conceivably be involved in something that yeah. altering the odds or, or altering the, the shape of the game without having the odds changed on them. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Mm-hmm. And there's also a big concern about minor leaguers. Uh, who are borderline, you know, these guys come up and, you know, just because you come up with the major doesn't mean you're on that committee you get $558,000 a year. You, you get that prorated by time. Right. And it's quite possible you could have a, a situation where, I don't know how he would affect it by, because he's not part of the lineup, but he, you just got to be careful. I, it's just anything gambling related. You, well, I hope Major League Baseball is really being careful about this. That's all I can say. Right, you know, you you hear, you know, it happens once in a while that a pitcher comes up lane in in, in the bullpen. You got to have an emergency starter. Yeah. That's going to change the odds, I get, I would figure. And, and, uh, and hopefully, it, with time before, you know, not too late that they don't change the odds, and then you really got something potentially crooked going on. You know, sure. that's what I get back to. Or even the flu, anything. People get sick, you know, yeah. at the last minute. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, right. it it seems like a stupid thing that did. Right. <laughs> It, it could be all much ado about nothing, but you just hope, again, you hope that MLB is just really just, you know, hopefully in the conversation with MGM, they just said, okay, we're going to do this, but, you know, we're going to put some safeguards on this because, you know, we had this problem about 100 years ago with a team called the Chicago White Sox that uh, kind of decided they didn't want to win the World Series. They'd rather make all this money on the side instead. Yeah. They don't right. want that again. No, absolutely not. And, you know, it, all, it brings up the debate with Pete Rose again, which, you know, is a ridiculous thing because, you know, you can't change the rules retroactively. I, I wanted to get into one other thing uh, before I let you go uh, on this article, 10 Things I Hate About Baseball. And it's what Gary and I was actually just talking about the, earlier, not bunting against the shift. Because in the exhibition game the other day, Bryce Harper had four outfielders playing, I, I think it was against the Blue Jays. Um, and well, the whole it's left- several games that's that happened now, yeah. Okay, and... and and he just, you know, went and hit it over. The, I don't understand why they don't bunt against the shift. You know, I don't like the rule you have to have uh, two men on each side. But, you know, you've got to combat it. The professionals hit it, go, go the other way. Bunt against the shift. You, you, you'd be at second base in, in, in situations like that. Well, use a heavier bat and, you know, slow your swing down and hit it the other way. I mean, there are ways. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, – that's been the age-old rule in baseball when, when – when uh, the other team has done something to kind of limit your ability to hit or, or to pitch or whatever, you, you adjust. That's the key word. You adjust. You know, when some pitcher comes up and he throws a no-hitter for seven innings and then, you know, before everybody gets the book on what this guy's all about and figure out his weaknesses, you don't change the rules so this guy can keep throwing seven no-hit innings. You're a ball player. You come up and you got to learn how to, to deal with how teams react to you. Fortunately, they have not banned the shift yet. They're still talking about it. But, yeah, it startles me every time when when there's a really good opportunity to start a rally or to extend a rally and you got nobody on the third base side defending you, you got to take that base. Absolutely. <laughs> You've got to. It's, it's, I mean, if you remember last, last year during the playoffs when they had John Smoltz constantly on TV was talking about – just. I can't believe these guys aren't fighting against the chef. I mean, this, you know, in a close game, you got to do, you got to at least wake them up, the defense, you know. It's just amazing that uh, players are so stubborn about, you know, dealing with that or not dealing with that. Yep. 
I just wanted to just jump back a second to the Atlantic League thing. Maybe you can, maybe you know, you can clarify. I haven't been able to find out for myself, but they're making the bases also eighteen inches uh, square, and make them a little bigger, right? And but I, I read somewhere where that's going to cut down the distance to uh, instead of ninety feet, it's going to be eighty-seven feet nine inches right. or something. Why can't they just move the 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 base is back three inches and still leave it at ninety feet. I I don't understand. I I, I get the idea of the bases. I've I've often advocated at first base that maybe they should have another bag in foul territory. Um, I don't know how they would do it though with the umpires. It would really cause a, a thing. But to avoid any spiking and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I don't understand this, and and the reason I'm interested in the Atlantic League because we live in the midst of Atlantic League territory. We have a, a, a team right out here, the Long Island Ducks, and uh, I, you know I, I, I we're going to be able to see this this nonsense firsthand, if you will. But I, I don't understand about this base thing. Yeah, I've, I've heard I, I've heard about the larger bases. I've not heard about the. Uh the moving in or moving out of the bases to compensate. Uh, obviously, they're probably if, if they're. It sounds like they're reducing the distance from first to third because of this. Uh, Apparently, for, for home to first and home to third. And of course, what that does is it gives a base runner one less step in trying to beat out a grounder, which means more mm-hmm. offense, which means longer games. Rob Manfred, be careful. Uh, <laughs> so. Obviously, they're doing again. This is this is a big testing lab for Major League Baseball, and I don't know if the players involved are going to hate it or if they're just going to say, "Well, it is what it is. We'll just go with it, and you know, hopefully, I can escape and, and go to something a little more mainstream." <laughs> but uh, it, it will be fascinating to see what the results of this are, and hopefully, the results will be we're not going to apply any of this to to Major League Baseball. It's just a joke. Eric, one last thing before I let you go. Sure. sure. The records, uh, the record book. Have we seen the last of the 300 winners, game winners in, for pitchers? Well, you might see some relievers starting to win 300 games if they <laughs> keep doing this opener thing. But I, it, it's hard to tell. You know, it, the trending obviously has been very constant since the beginning of time in baseball where pitcher, starting pitchers last Shorter and shorter and shorter. If you go to my 2018 page on thisgreatgame.com, uh, in the yearly reader, you'll you'll see a little graph that illustrates that pretty graphically. And of course, fewer innings means less chances to win, which means yes, uh, less opportunity that you you're ever going to see another 300 game winner. Yeah, it's it's awfully hard now. Uh, I would I I never say never to this, but it's it's going to take some kind of fundamental mindset change. Among among pitchers to uh, kind of correct that, reorient things back to uh, the way they used to be. Well, that's. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. It's the the website is called This Great Game. If you want history, opinions, lists, you want to know about the ballpark, yearly readers. This is the website for you. I, I really encourage everybody to go go listen, go look at it. It's really terrific. I want to thank Eric. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully, we can have you back with uh, with Ed uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, Ed again, would. that would be wonderful. Yes. So Ed, everybody, Ed's this, a great guy. He'll be. Uh, we'll have a we'll have a good chat. And the name of the website is what? Thisgreatgame.com? dot com. This great game dot com. 
Great. And it's just been, Eric Goldsberry has been joining us. And I want to thank you very much. Thanks, Eric. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Eric. Wow. That was my first time hearing that. So just like you listeners, I really enjoyed that. He had some very good points. Website is great. Uh, You guys clicked very well. And uh, I better get on that next time, that next interview where I'm not going to have a job anymore. (laughs) You know, we'll have Eric back with uh, his partner, Ed. During the season, as a Sabre member, as Eric mentioned, that's that. Uh, that'd be I'd be looking forward to hearing him during in season. That should be interesting. You know, it just shows you that this great game that we love, right? This game of baseball, the, you could just you could talk about it forever. I mean, there's just so many things we love the history, we love the current players, uh, you know, the current game, and. Whether it's features we've been doing on lesser-known Hall of Famers, um, you know, baseball songs, all these things, and they have all their lists, the stats, the this—it's such a great game. No, no other game like it. No, that, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. So hopefully we never run out of topics because uh, when you have a website like that that you can refer to, uh, did you tell him that uh, I, I didn't remember? Did you did you mention to him? Uh, that we consult his website once in a while for some I, ideas? I did tell him, yeah. Okay. We, we you, took, took a okay. couple of his uh, right. lesser-known uh, people who should not be in the Hall of Fame. Right. We did a feature on, on Bobby Wallace. Right, okay. Yeah, so thank you very much. Um, I'm looking forward to the next time, that, and I want to be part of that. Uh, I really of, am. Of course. And I'm looking forward to the final two interviews that we have that uh, we interviewed down at the Barbecue Expo. The, that that expo really paid off because we got some great interviews. And like you said, there's still two more that we're going to be doing next time. And don't forget, you can reach us, call the show at 516-855-8214. Leave a voicemail. Send us an email. Our email address is baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our Facebook page. And also, check out our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. All right, with that, why don't we go take us out to the ballgame? Take me out to the ballgame, sung by Edward Meeker, Edison Record. was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad, just to root for the hometown crew every two, Katie Blue. On a Saturday, her young beau called to see if she'd like to go to see a show, but Miss Kate said no, I'll tell you what you can do. Take me out to the ball game, take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Katie saw all the games. Knew the players by their first names. Told the 
umpire, he was wrong all along, good and strong. When the score was just two to two, Casey, Casey knew what to do. Just to cheer up the boys, she knew she made the gang sing this song. Take me out to the ball game, take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game.